Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph again. Uh, we are now in lesson 20. Last time we finished the story of the genealogy of men and the chronology. And of course, uh, hopefully you will remember that uh, the bottom line of it was not uh, necessarily just the dates and people and when they lived and all that and when is the end time and uh, so forth or the calendar. But what, in essence, God told Daniel, and that was the bottom line, what you should be concerned about the most, even though I gave you all this information and details, is about being pure in my sight, purifying your, your garments and walking in righteousness, walking in the light, and you're going to be the wise, the very elect that will understand, while the others are going to be wicked and uh, will not understand. And so hopefully that we'll take that uh, uh, in mind, and therefore when we spend two uh, lessons on it, it's not just for sake of curiosity, but for the real bottom line. Yes, God gives us a lot of information, but he wants us to see, think always about the most important part of it. Anyway, now we are in chapter 6 of Genesis, and we're going to read from uh, verse 1, uh, where we read, Now it came to pass when men, and we have to stop here, men, because uh, we already, uh, we're beginning with an error here in terms of translation. It's not men, it's in Hebrew, Ha-Adam, and it's not even Adam, where generally uh, you would see it, but Ha-Adam, which means uh, a generic uh, word that is used for humanity. And it's not talking about specifically when uh, the first Adam, but Ha-Adam means now a general term that is referred to humanity. In other words, the name of Adam be- became the generic term for all human beings. And in particular, yes, in particular to man, uh, when it says uh, son of man or ben Adam, or if you say uh, daughter of man, it said but Adam, the daughter of Adam, and specific to Adam himself. But in this verse, it's talking about ha Adam, and speak, that's why it is in the plural man. But it's talking about it's speaking in general about humanity. So it's not that humanity began, uh, men began to multiply because you cannot multiply unless there are women around. So obviously speaking about the whole human race. And so when humanity, it should say, uh, began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that's because he wants to make a specific point here, uh, born not just to men, daughters are not born just to men, they are born to their father and mother. And when daughters were born to them, and the reason why uh, the distinguishing between men and daughters is here, for the simple reason, uh, children, that is, boys, were called sons of Adam, while the daughters were called the daughters of Adam. And uh, therefore, you know, the same name was not uh, always given to them, even though it is a generic name. And so, we read uh, here that when humanity, who were children of Adam, began to multiply. Now, in, ver- in chapter 5 and verse 2, God is making a point here uh, in terms of the generic. Uh, we read, he created them, well, speaking first about Adam, the book of genealogy of Adam, that's in specific, the first man. In that day when God, God created men, specifically about men, not just generally in men, in plural, he made him, not them, but he made him in the likeness of God. So God is, is going to make a point here that when, again, when God created Adam, like in Genesis 1.26, he was creating somebody to be just like him, not in the flesh, made of clay, 
But later on, as the prophets understood, and uh, you read it in Job and other places, that when they are to be resurrected from the grave, they will be in the likeness of God. Not only in the likeness uh, in terms of uh, looking like Him, but power and glory and wisdom and, and, and majesty, uh, just not like, not equal with Him, under Him, but still in His likeness. Just like uh, there is a father, and let's say he might be a king, an emperor, like King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, well, he's the total, absolute ruler of the whole empire, and he has a son, but his son is his son. His son is not his, his monkey or his, his dog. His son is still a human being, just like Nebuchadnezzar. He's just not going to be as powerful as Nebuchadnezzar. And let's see, if Nebuchadnezzar lived a thousand years, uh, for a thousand years his son will never be like his father. But he'll be just a human being like his father. He's going to be given a measure of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and experience and power. And uh, this is the, the, the context here. And so in verse 2, he created them, that is, uh, uh, Adam, both Adam and his wife, male and female. And the word for them here is specifically for what we see later on. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them, in English, mankind, which is a mistranslation, but in essence they wanted to convey the meaning of it, but it's a mistranslation of the word itself. He called them Adam. That's what it says in Hebrew. So both of them generically are called Adam, but Adam specifically is uh, the one that was called by that name, while his wife was called Eve. And so all those who came from him were also called Adam, but they're all uh, coming from that generic uh, name as it became later on of what is today we call humanity in those days that didn't have the, the terminology. Uh, and here, so uh, the translator wanted to convey that and so he put mankind, which is correct, but just made the correct translation of the word itself, which is Adam. And so in the day that they were created. And so when Adam was born, and Adam, by the way, as I mentioned before, it means uh, soil or ground, and it's called Adam because uh, the color red is Adam in Hebrew, and so the, the ground is reddish in complexion, and that's why they, they, uh, the link there between the two. It's not that he was red mud, you know, some people would say it wasn't mud, though when you make clay it becomes so, sort of mud, but it's red soil, red ground. And this is what he was made from, and that's why later on it said, uh, from dust you are, and it's not really dust in the sense of well, the dust that you have on the table or on, on the furniture, uh, that, uh, that's not the dust it's talking about, but it's talking about the dirt that is on the ground, which is different than dust. Uh, unless the dirt uh, is dried up and there is nothing uh, left to it and then it becomes dusty. But uh, the daughters that were born to them uh, were called uh, daughters, obviously, and uh, while the sons continued to be called Adam, or sons of Adam, or men. And that's the reason we see this terminology of the difference between men and daughters. Men were sons, it just didn't use the word sons. And so this is what we see here. Now, in verse 2, we read that the sons of God, that is, well, when the daughters were born, we read that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. And at this point, people with imagination, especially people cut off from God, who have no knowledge of God, began to invent all kinds of stories, especially as time went by, and they forgot the basic things, that the one who is writing this and dictating this is God dictating it to Moses. Moses is writing it. And Moses is already having a lot of background now of uh, the terminology of men and the daughters and how they were called. 
And he was not confused, but the people who did not understand what he was talking about were confused and began to invent all kinds of analogies and stories about it and fables. And so the people of old began to invent all kinds all kind of things like that about what the sons of God meant. Uh, I'm going to read now from a uh, commentary that you find in the Pentateuch uh, by the Sancino Press, and uh, it was edited by Dr. J. H. Hertz, who happened to be the former uh, many years ago, at the turn of the century, of, uh, he was the chief rabbi of the British Empire. Well, this is what he writes about this, this uh, uh, perverted concept of the sons of God that many people fell for it, even in our, in our own midst, as, uh, as uh, you can see nowadays, if you read certain uh, literature. So he says about the sons of God, uh, in verse 2, is the literal translation of the Hebrew phrase, Bnei Elohim. Bnei Elohim means sons of God, in the plural. And then he writes, among several ancient peoples, there was a belief that there once existed a race. You see, among several ancient peoples. He's not saying among the children of Israel, who had the law, the knowledge of the law. But among other people, who didn't have the knowledge of the law. Uh, they had a certain belief that there was, there once existed a race of men of gigantic strength and stature, who were the offspring of human mothers and celestial fathers. And we are supposed to have an echo of that legend in this biblical passage. In other words, that's what some people later on down the road say. Well, this is, you see, this is what it means. Well, obviously, this is not what it means. And then he continues, Philo, Josephus, and the author of the book of Jubilees, who was a Levite, I understand, that lived uh, about 21 or 2200 years ago, and uh, was writing all kinds of things in... in uh, in a, in a way, as the people, uh, some people used to read, uh, write at that time, uh, pretending to be the person who was experiencing that when they actually uh, were not that person. And so, some people wrote in the name of Abraham as if they were Abraham, some in the name of Enoch, some in the name of this and that. In other words, people sit down and invent all kinds of fables. Uh, in modern terminology, you might say people were hallucinating and writing all kind of fables and presenting it as true. Something which is not found in the Bible at all. But they give it their own interpretation. And so, it says, uh, and the writer and the author of the book of Jubilees were misled into this interpretation by the analogy of these heathen fables, not biblical truth, not the knowledge of the children of Israel who read it as Moses gave it to them, as the prophets wrote it, Oh no, these are heathen fables. And there is, however, no trace in Genesis of quote-unquote fallen angels or rebellious angels. And the idea of intermarriage of angels and human beings is altogether foreign to Hebrew thought. And he continues, the mythological explanation of this passage was in all ages repelled by a large body of Jewish and non-Jewish commentators though it has been revived by many moderns. And that's what you see to this very day, uh, from the time of old. People who do not look to the Bible as a source of their inspiration, but to justify their own pet theory, uh, they're the ones that come up with all these fables and write all, all kind of things like that and spread them around and people read it. They don't know anything from... Uh, uh, no, don't know the difference between right and wrong. And most humanity are that way, and so they believe it as being true, and so they pass it on, and it becomes reality. 
whatever you believe in becomes truth in your mind and nobody can change it um, until God comes and uh, removes it from you uh, sort of uh, performs a lobotomy on your mind and gives you uh, the spirit of a sound mind and wisdom and understanding instead of the foolish spirit that many people have and so that's, that's what uh, basically uh, the Jews have understood from the time of all the children of Israel, the prophets and, uh, and all those who came after that the apostles of Christ and that's why Christ, and that's why these apostles, and specifically you read in the book of uh, Timothy, where the apostle tells Timothy that uh, when it comes to uh, the old wise fables, this is just rejected. Uh, a lot of people passing on all kinds of information and, and, and lies and deceptions, so don't even bother to listen to those kind of things. There is no basis for it in the truth. It's a waste of time. And yet people like, you know, who have itching ears like to heap upon themselves teachers who will tell them all kind of interesting things. And then they take the Bible and, uh, and fit it into their own pet theories. Well, uh, God tells us very plain that through Moses, uh, this is the book of the law. That's something else. This is the book of the law, the one that he caused to be recorded. And later on the prophets and the writings and the songs and later on the writings of the, of the, of the apostles. And on it you shall meditate day and night. Not on something else. And that's what people like to do. If you want to write a novel and, believe, and, and uh, see that the novel is one thing, but to present it as reality, that's totally nonsense. Uh, in other words, God doesn't believe in science fiction. And so, we, we read basically about the sons of God, the Bnei Elohim, uh, that uh, was recorded many times in the Bible. And in Luke, in chapter 3, in verses 38, you read about the genealogy of, uh, of Jesus Christ, where we are told that he is a son of Mary, son of Joseph, son, 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 son of, son of, so forth. And you get all the way to the end of the line and he ends up with Adam. Genealogy that goes all the way back to Adam. And Adam is called the Ben Elohim, sons of God. Just like you see this terminology here. When Bnei Elohim, the sons of God, you know, so the daughters of men. Uh, that's the basic thing. In other words... That became a terminology that was used in the Bible and is still used to this very day by those who are biblically oriented, especially in Hebrew, uh, to, the, to the men, they call them Bnei Elohim, sons of God. And to the women, they call them daughters of men. Because woman was created for men, not because she's a second-rate uh, citizen, but just that's the way it happened. God created man and he formed him from the depths of the ground to be in his image and in his likeness and God is called our father, he's not our mother and, yet, and then after that he created also Eve but he took her from men, in other words a part of man, the rib and some flesh and from that he created a woman, therefore she's called generically from that time on daughter of man, not uh, uh, son of God, uh, she's a daughter, she's not a son and so the term Bnei Elohim, sons of God, is applied generally speaking uh, to, uh, to men and in a generic way to everybody. Because even the word Adam or, the, or the, the, the name Adam is applied also generically to all humanity. As we saw in Genesis chapter 5 and verse uh, 2. And so in 1 Corinthians also in chapter 15 and verse 45, we are reading here about two Adams. The first Adam, who was flesh and blood, who was called Ben Elohim, son of God. And also, the second Adam, who is now flesh and blood, but came from a spirit, 
background, and he's going back to his spirit background, he too is called Ben Elohim, son of Elohim, just like Adam. And uh, about the first one, he, he was flesh, and he remained flesh, and he died flesh. And the second one, he was spirit and became flesh, and went back again to become a spirit. And so that, that's, in essence, what uh, God is talking about. In Genesis 1.26, when God says, Let us create man in our image and in our likeness, it was fulfilled, in essence, only so far with one person. And that's the one that became the Messiah. He was spirit. He was created in the image and likeness of God. As we read in many places, he was a very image and express image of God. And then he was born into the family of God as a firstborn, leading uh, us the way, the pioneer, you know, the elder brother, he's called. Uh, the pioneer, the firstborn, the, the, the one that paved the road for us to bring many sons to glory so that we can follow in his footsteps. And uh, Genesis 1.26, you might, you might say, was, was uh, fulfilled in one person as the beginner of all those who would follow after him. Uh, that's why in some places he's called the beginner of the creation of God. And some thought, well, that means that he was created and he never existed before that. Again, that's foolishness. And in Psalm, 120, uh, Psalm 29 and verse 1, uh, David is saying uh, to the congregation, uh, Give praise the sons of Elim. In other words, all you children of Israel, sons of Israel, sons of God. Uh, give thanks to, uh, because you are the sons of the Elohim. But he used the, the short form of Elohim, which is Elim. Elim, that's the plural of the El. And in English, uh, the wrote mighty one, because as time went by, not at that time, not in the days of David, not in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, but after that, some people rose in the Jewish community and began to reject this concept that man was and is a son of God and is going to be born into the family of God. And so now they couldn't accept this concept of man becoming God, which has been a reality throughout all the history of Israel until that time. People didn't have a problem understanding it or believing in it. Now, all the prophets wrote about it, one way or the other, and Moses did. And from Genesis, you see it from the beginning. But time went by, and people began to lose knowledge and understanding. And remember what, what God told uh, Isaiah. Uh, people, uh, these people of Israel are rejecting my, my law and commandments. And uh, they don't want to be my sons, even though I raised them as my own sons. They are my sons. I created them to be my people. And they rejected me, and therefore I'm going to cause the wisdom of their wives to perish. And so when that process began, well, the children of Israel, in specific now the people of Judah, uh, from the nation of Judah, that is, because some of them were Levites and Benjamites, some from other tribes of Israel that remained with the, with the nation of Judah, and well, they, the, the wisdom of their wives was not really wisdom as far as God was concerned. A lot of fables entered into their minds, and they thought they were wise. But they were wise in their own, in their own minds, not in the, in, the, in the mind of God. And no wonder why the loss is uh, most important uh, knowledge that was there from the beginning, among other things. And began to, to uh, bring Babylonian uh, concepts into the religion that became later on known as Judaism instead of uh, the law of Moses or the law of God or the way of God. Uh, and so... At that point, uh, the knowledge was being lost. And so people began to say, well, Elim, Elohim, that means mighty ones. Uh, they began to change uh, the truth uh, and make it uh, something else. In other words, they began to fit the Bible in, into their own uh, theories. And so that's uh, what David said very plainly. You are the sons of God, the sons of Elohim. Literally, that's what he meant. Uh, just like Adam, who was created literally 
personally by the very hands of God who was his son. Well, whose son would he be if not the son of God when he created him himself? And so uh, in Psalm uh, chapter 82 and verse 6, uh, we continue to read that where David continues to tell us something very interesting. And that too was rejected. And later on, when Christ came to his people, he reminded them of that. He said, you, you forgot something. You know, you claim that, uh, that I am blaspheming when I say that I am son of God. And you forgot about your own writings. Well, something you used to know before, and the wisdom of your wives perish, and now you don't know it anymore. And you reject it, and you call it blasphemy. But that's not the way it used to be in the beginning. It's uh, in Psalm uh, 82, actually Asaph is the one writing this, not David. It says, God stands in the congregation, and in English it says the mighty. Again, instead of saying Elim, Elohim, God, uh, because men stop believing in that truth, they change it to mighty. Uh, he judges among the gods, the Elohim. Uh, because this is what God called his children. If they are sons of God, if he is Elohim, they are to our Elohim. Only they are of a lesser uh, stature. Just like uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the emperor of the whole empire, his son, who was just born, who was a few days old, uh, what was he? He was absolutely nothing in terms of power and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and, and glory and, and uh, all that. But he was his son. And if he's to be raised uh, like his father and take the place of his father, he's just going to be like just like Nebuchadnezzar was. But until that time, he's, he's a sort of a nobody, just very little in comparison. And that's exactly how God regards us. And that's why in, in, in Psalm 8, David said, What is man that you even mind, uh, mindful of him? Why do you pay so much attention to him? You created him a little less, and it says, David said, that's what the Holy Spirit inspired him, you see, a little less than Elohim. But a wrong spirit entered into the minds of people, and they changed it into a little less than angels, which is a blasphemy. And people don't realize that. It's not a blasphemy to say that man is a son of Elohim. It's a blasphemy to say that man is a son is lower than angels. Well, that uh, anyway, because he's talking about the nature. He's not talking about power. The nature of man is a little bit less than Elohim, and just a generic terminology, a little less. Uh, in other words, when he's born in, in, in the, uh, into his spirit being, he will be like his father, Elohim. Uh, still not as powerful and glorious as he is, because Elohim is still the, will always be at the top, above all, and greater than all. It's Christ himself said, my father is greater than I, will always be greater. And so he's going to be greater than us, but we shall be Elohim like he is Elohim. All the scriptures from the beginning until the end tell us that very plainly. But when the wisdom of the wise, God said, is going to perish, then what do you expect from them? Yeah, they cannot understand the veil is on their head until God removes it. They cannot understand it. And so in verse 6 he says, I said, you are Elohim. And all of you are the children of the Most High. You know, the children of the Most High, that's Elohim, God. But you shall die like men. In other words, if you do not obey my voice and commandments, you're just, just because you are flesh and blood, you're men, you're going to die as all men die, just like the beast of the field. But what you are is Elohim. You are sons of Elohim. You see? Just like a son of a father is a human, like his father is a human, the son of God is Elohim, like his father is Elohim. Only, uh, God says, I'm, if you obey my voice and commandments, be holy as I am holy, perfect as I am holy, and endure until the end, and be just like me, I will give you life, 
and I will give you glory and honor and I will give you the spirit and the spirit body where you will be just like me. And that's the reason why in Genesis 1.26 it said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. In that sense, you might say only one so far achieved that. Achieved the Genesis 1.26 fulfillment. And that is the one that became flesh and blood, uh, called the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and went back again to where he came from as the Son of God, to pave the road for all of us to bring many sons to glory. And it's not, as some people say, a Christian doctrine, a Christian invention. This is what God told us from Genesis until the end. And all of his servants, Moses and the prophets, told us exactly the same thing in many ways. But people rejected that, and the wise of the, the wisdom of the wise perished from the people of God, and so they rejected totally much of the truth and knowledge and understanding that God gave them, and they are now in blindness of the things that they are enlightened. And until God comes, they will continue to be that way. But we know when he comes, he's going to remove the veil, and all of them shall see it, and they will not deny that anymore. And so, this is what God is telling us. You are Elohim. But, if you do not obey my voice and commandments, you're just as God told Adam. Look, if you do not obey my voice, since you are dust, you're going to return to the dust. Because in the day that you touch that, you're going to die. But if you are obedient to me, on the other hand, if you take of the tree of the life, instead of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you see, if you take of the tree of life, and you obey my voice, then you shall be just like I, I am, spirit being, not only just in my image and likeness in the flesh, but also in the spirit. And that's why I created him, to be his son. And uh, in, in Job, this is the only place where you see that God uses the terminology also for the angels, in the sense that he created them, not in the sense that they are in his image and in his likeness. They don't have his nature. Uh, there are people who uh, have pets in, in their house, like a dog or a cat, and then they, and they treat them like children. And uh, they call them, uh, you know, they say to them, oh, come to daddy or come to mommy. Well, they know good and well that this is not what they mean by that, in, in the real sense of the word. Uh, they're not their father and mother, and they're not their children. And so it is with the holy angels. God created them, yes. And, uh, but he did not create them in his image and in his likeness to be born into his kingdom and be just like him. And so this is what Job is telling us in, in chapter 1 verse 6 and verse 21 and then chapter 38 and verse 7. He's speaking about the angels as being the sons of God. And that's the only place where you see it and in that uh, way where, on the other hand, you see it many, many times in the scriptures where the children of God, and specifically uh, the children of Israel, after Adam and his uh, those who came after him rejected him only the righteous men became known also as the sons of God in the sense that they obeyed God also not just being created in the image and likeness of God and so uh, in Exodus the God of Israel the God who created Israel the God who created Adam and Eve the God who came in the flesh and lived in the flesh and uh, gave up his divinity and then uh, headed back again after the resurrection this God speaking to Moses. He tells Moses, I wanted to go to Pharaoh, to the king of Egypt, and uh, I wanted to deliver him this message. And that's basically what he told him to tell the king of Egypt. He said, you go to Pharaoh, and you tell him in chapter 4 of Exodus, in verse 22. You tell him, say to Pharaoh, that says the Lord, that says the Eternal, that says the God of Israel, Israel is my son. You see, I'm his creator, he's my son. He's not my dog, he's not my monkey, he's not my pet, he's my son. 
I'm his father. And he meant it literally. Now he's in the flesh, yes. Just like Nebuchadnezzar is a baby. Now he's a baby, yes. You know, he's helpless. He can't really do much. You know, he's missing his diapers and all that. But he's my son. He's going to be just like me. And when I die, I'm going to give him uh, everything that I have. And of course, and Nebuchadnezzar is a man, but God is not a man. He doesn't die. But he's going to make his son just like him if he is obedient to him. And so he tells him. He's revealing this truth. It's not just a statement, a physical statement, an ethereal statement. It is a real statement and a prophecy for the future. Israel is my son, my firstborn. You see, my firstborn. Israel, God says, Ubni, my son, Bechori, my firstborn. My firstborn among the nations. In other words, Israel is the first nation. And through Israel, God was going to call all the other nations of Israel. And he's not finished yet with Israel. The process is not over yet. And that's what he's talking about here. So God constantly revealed what he meant by that, uh, sons of God. And God called himself the Father, our Father. All the prophets spoke about him as our Father. And uh, Isaiah said, you are our Father. You are our Master. We are your sons. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 10, uh, God is telling the prophet to go tell Israel, you know, you are, you are uh, abusing one another and corrupting one another and, uh, and uh, harassing one another and oppressing one another and so forth. And you just forgot one basic thing. And that's what the prophet says. Have we not one father? In other words, aren't we all the sons of God? Well, how come we are treating each other in that manner if we are all the sons of God? If we are all Bnei Elohim, you see? And he is our father. And we have only one father. How come we are treating one another in that manner? You see? And God is very angry with that. He's very angry with his sons. And therefore, he tells them, as long as you behave like that, you're going to go back into the dirt, into the dust, into the, the, the soil, the ground where you came from. But if you obey my voice and commandments and become holy and perfect as I am, and follow me all the way, I will make you just like me. Just like I am. Glorious, majestic, spirit being, living forever and ever. And then we read in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 19, what God is dictating a song to Moses as a record against Israel for all generations to the end of time. That they would read and remember and see and understand who their God is and what they've done to him and how they rebelled against him. And so he's talking about, in verse 19 of Deuteronomy 32, he's talking about his sons and his daughters. In other words, they were disobedient instead of obedient. And then Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 1, Moses is telling the people of Israel that they are to be holy like God, perfect like God, righteous like God, not to do all those things that other nations are doing, not to eat all the abominations that the other nations are eating. And some in our midst today are going back to it and think, well, it's all okay. I don't see anything wrong with that. But he told them, you are the sons of the eternal. You are, in Hebrew, banim atem ladonai. Or Banim Atem to the Eternal, the Yehovah in Hebrew. As I mentioned before, that you know, uh, the Jews stopped using the, the name of God uh, 2,200 years ago, with the exception of only the high priest, who was allowed to pronounce his name once uh, a year on the Day of Atonement. And at that point, when he said that, uh, when he pronounced the name of God, in other words, the Jews know exactly how to pronounce the name of God, they never lost it. That's why when you read it in Hebrew, in the, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Hebrew Scriptures, you see it punctuated correctly, Yehovah. 
And few cases it's Yehovah, I don't know why, but it's Yehovah, and as I mentioned earlier, Yehovah in ancient Hebrew and Yehovah to the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, the W became a V. And that, that was the beginning of modern Hebrew, so to speak. And that's what he told them. You are the sons of the eternal, of God. And don't behave like that, like, like all the others. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 5, God says that they do not act like my sons. You see, he says, you don't act like my sons. And obviously God was very angry with that, that they do not act like his sons. But just that they did not act like his sons, it does not mean they became dogs or mules or cows or birds. They are still sons of God. It's just the behavior is not uh, befitting uh, sons of Elohim, Ne Elohim. In Isaiah uh, 1 2, God is telling his people, I have raised children and I have nourished them. See, I, the Father, raised you and nourished you and you rebel against me. What kind of people are you, he says. And so he's describing all their sins and iniquities and finally he tells Isaiah as he comes to him in person in chapter 6. He says, I wanted to go and just make those people blind and deaf and, and, and hard of hearing. In other words, they're going to read the Bible and they're not going to be able to understand it. And they're going to be uh, silly in, in their understanding and invent all kinds of fables and so forth. And they're not going to have any understanding. I covered that earlier before, if you remember, when I talked about the... About uh, God and the Holy Spirit and the meaning of it, and that's basically what it is. That uh, God told them, "Well, that's the way you're going to behave. I'm going to make the wisdom of your wise perish. You're going to be stupid from now on. You know, you'll think you're smart and you're wise and you understand the the word of God. Oh, you may have a measure of understanding. Fine, everybody can have a measure of understanding, but deep understanding, spiritual understanding, profound understanding." Like this understanding that God was created, uh, was creating man in his image and likeness to be literally a God being, to be born into his family and to be Elohim just like he is Elohim. Only Elohim uh, under the, the far under the one who is the ultimate above all of us. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, uh, had a son and, and Nebuchadnezzar would always be the emperor as long as he's alive. And his son uh, would never be greater than his father. Will always be under him, but he's going to be a human being like his father, with glory and power and wisdom and, and maturity and understanding. And so well, that's what God is going to be with us for eternity. And will always be much greater than us, but we're going to be of the Elohim family. That's why in Genesis 1-1 he repeated that again and again and again. Everything was created after his kind. And when he created man, of man also he says after his kind. And so a rose doesn't come from another flower. It comes from another rose. You see? And that's the way it goes. And a cow comes from a cow. A cow doesn't come from a monkey. And so forth. And so it's important to understand all these things. Because uh, when people invented fables, you know, they went into blasphemy. And, and those uh, lies and deceptions that they invented. And obviously those came from other spirits. And not from the spirit of God. And so it's important to remember that. And in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 10 in the English uh, translation in Hebrew, it is in, uh, in the Hebrew uh, scriptures, it is in chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, God is telling uh, his people at the time, uh, though he's going to send them into captivity, though he's going to punish them, though he's going to send them into exile for a long, long time, yet they should not be 
uh, totally discouraged because he has a plan for them and it's not all over. And so, uh, what we read there is this. In verse 10, uh, he's telling the prophet Hosea to tell his people. In verse 9 he said, uh, we read, Then God said, Call his name Loami, not my people. That's what it means. For you are not my people, speaking by the uh, people of Israel, symbolically portrayed by son of uh, Hosea, which, uh, if you remember the, the account before that, came from a woman that was on the loose side. You know, she was not a faithful woman, was messing around with other men, in other words. And so he says, you are not my people, and I will not be your God, but it is for a temporary period. You see? God, some people thought later on that God rejected his people. God never rejected his people, because God continues. He says, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. You see, as time went by and Israel totally lost their identity, even their own teachers, spiritual teachers to this very day, they call them themselves today ministers and, and priests and uh, whatever, and pastors, they tell them, no, you're not the people of God, you're not Israel. You see, they totally lost their knowledge and heritage. But it says, in the place where it is being told to you, to them that way, and you can imagine that for a long, long time they've been saying that story, it shall be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. Now, what happened long time ago, 2,000 years ago, when Peter, knew, knowing these scriptures, but not knowing the time, and assuming that Christ was coming in his time, and he being a, an apostle to the circumcision, not to the uncircumcision, so you have to remember that because many people that read the New Testament totally forgot that and therefore his job was not to go to the nations but to go to the children of Israel to the circumcision that's what it means Judah and all the tribes of Israel and so he's writing to the strangers and James makes it more plain he's writing to the twelve tribes of Israel that's where the commission was it's Paul who is sent to the uncircumcision to the Gentiles and so some people think even to this very day they think well in the past God called Israel his people and uh, the holy priesthood, the royal priesthood and all that, but now he calls us, meaning the Gentiles, which is not true. Peter is still talking to the children of Israel. And that's the only people he generally was speaking to. Because he was sent to the circumcision, and whoever was around them, of course Gentiles were around also, that heard the same message. But specifically it's to the children of Israel. And so that's what he had in mind, Peter, thinking that it was in his day. And so even the people that listened to him, the children of Israel, thought that this is what it meant. And so the scripture continues in Isaiah, in Hosea uh, 1 verse 11, Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come out of the land, for great shall be the day of Israel. And the apostle Peter and all the others who were sent to Israel thought the same thing. And all the children of Israel at the time who lived in the, in the area of the Euphrates and beyond that, as Josephus tells us, that the tribes of Israel, the ten lost tribes, lived in that area, and the children of Judah lived nearby. They were all in the territory of the empire of Babylon. And they all believed when they began to listen to Peter, and many began, you know, became converted. Uh, the rest did not follow. They went their own way. But they all knew that they were children of Israel still at the time. And they thought, well, I guess we're going to have now they will return to the land. And you can imagine how disappointed they were when that didn't happen. But this is the context there anyway. And, and so... The point was that they're called, they're going to be called the sons of the living God. And in specific, this is going to yet be told in this last generation and again when they're resurrected a thousand years later. So, yeah, this, this actually has uh, uh, several fulfillments. 
Partially it was in the days of Peter, yet he thought that was the end. Uh, secondary, it is for our day, and ultimately it is for all Israel who will ever be resurrected a thousand years later, and they're going to be told exactly the same. See, the word of God has no time limit. It's not old book, new book, Old Testament, New Testament. It's one word written by an eternal God from the beginning until the end, and it's one. People divide it. God never did. Neither books, nor chapters, nor verses, nor anything else. There's no older or new, because God never changes. People do change, but he does not. And so that's basically the context, and that's what we read here. Now, as far as angels, now we're dealing with something totally different. Because with angels, you're talk, talking about the spiritual counterpart of animal, the animal world, which includes fish. I like to remember the deity of uh, the Philistines, the Dagon. Dagon was a king fish. You know, he, in other words, he looked like a fish, half fish and half man. And the reason uh, was because of the belief that uh, their god was a fish. And you can read it in, uh, as a matter of fact, in, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 25, I believe, where it says that in that time, in that day, that's toward the end of time when God is going to destroy Leviathan and the serpent. You see, so these people, because of fables and, and uh, crazy ideas and uh, foolish ideas being cut off from God, uh, they knew that angelic beings uh, were animals and creatures and fish and all that, and that became their deity, uh, fish god. But uh, the, all the angels basically uh, are uh, the counterpart of the physical, which is the animal world, the creatures that we see all around us. Even bugs and, and uh, lice and all kind of things like that. And that's why God tells uh, Moses that when he's going to judge Egypt, he's going to judge not only Pharaoh and his people, but he's going to judge all their gods, which they worship. And they worship all kind of creatures. And that's why in the Ten Commandments, Israel was forbidden from worshiping any creature up or down, under the water, anywhere. Because, you see, those are the counterpart of the spirit beings. And uh, I don't know if it is every single one of them, but uh, in general, that's what it is. And so in Exodus 12, and verse 12, when God tells him about the killing of the firstborn, this is what he tells them. Uh, to to uh, basically tell uh, Pharaoh and uh, let the Egyptians know about it and cause it to be recorded also. In verse 12, chapter 12 of Exodus, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I myself will pass, you see. So later on when he talks about the angel that passed at midnight, he's speaking about himself. And that's another subject that we'll get into later on. At a different point when we get to the concept of the angel of the Lord. But he says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Why beast also? You see, all the plagues that came upon them before that were not only on men, but they were also the beasts of the field. And they were also in the form of the gods of Egypt, the lice, the frogs, serpents, all kind of creatures that were uh, either came up, uh, on them and locusts, or were destroyed in the process. And so God says, I will pass over you, and, uh, well, in, uh, in verse 12, it says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast, and against all the gods, all the Elohim of Egypt, that is the false Elohim, the deities of Egypt. I will execute judgment, because I am 
the Lord. I am the Eternal, not they. You see, this is what people believed in, even the children of Israel, were idol worshippers to the core. And to this very day they are, the majority of them. And they don't even know it. That's why the end time, the book of Zechariah, you can read that when God comes to judge his people, he says, I'm going to remove all the unclean spirits, all the demons that are in the land. Because he says that the land of Judah is today full of demons. And people who are preaching in the name of demons and the thing that they are, they are hearing voices and from God or that they are men of God and that they have all those uh, foolish things that they are doing there, uh, causing people to follow them uh, instead of God himself. And to this very day, Israel has never changed. At least many of them have not. Only the very few remain faithful to the, to the word of God, to the truth of God. And so that's what God says. So, the, the gods of Egypt uh, gives us an indication here, as I said before, that angels are the counterpart of the animal world. Creatures, in other words. And in Genesis 1, as I mentioned before that, God created everything according to his kind. And there is no crossing of the species there. And in Ezekiel, we have a description in chapter 1 and chapter 10 of the, of the Kruvim, in Hebrew, Kruvim, that's plural for Kruv. And it's not like in English, sometimes you see it, Cherubim, it's Kruvim, and it's not Cherubims with an S at the end, because Im already, the end is already plural. And it's, it's, it's silly to end an S at the end after that. And so it's Kruvim, that already is plural of, of Kruv or cherub in English, or uh, cherubim, which is not a correct one. But uh, the description of them is uh, four faces, in this case, one eagle, one ox, one lion, and one a face of a man. But the whole creature uh, was a creature, was not, was not a human being. And then other places are described as other things. In Revelation chapter 20 and, uh, and verse 2, speaking about Satan, the devil, who is that serpent and dragon, you see, as I mentioned before, that in Isaiah 25 or 24, I believe, where it's talking about God destroying you know, the Leviathan, uh, which is in the ocean, in the sea. And maybe that's why you have all the stories about the, the, the monsters of the sea. At this point, we shall stop. And again, this is Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.